0: I' So glad you guys are here with us. Uh, my name is Clayton. I'm the senior pastor here at Central. I'm so pumped that you're here um, today as we continue our study through the disciples of Jesus. And uh, if you'd like to follow along, we always have our, our notes available uh, to you online, so just pull out your phone. Go to the camera app and just uh, point your your camera at that QR code that's right behind me and it'll take you to uh, the notes where you can save them. You can uh, export them as a PDF. You can email them to yourself. And here's the other thing. You can cheat and find all the fill in the blanks, okay? It's right there for you. So maybe you want to do that uh, t- today. Well, this week we have <clears throat> BBS, like we talked about a lot. Man, I'm pumped about that. I'm excited uh, about um, everything that God's going to be doing. And we, we've been praying this place up, and we're ready uh, to, to be a part of uh, God's movement here in the lives of our kids and it's a big week, and I'm excited about that. Next week is going to be crazy. Right here during the second service, the kids are going to be performing, and they're taking over the entire service. It's going to be awesome. So invite your, your family, invite your friends, and I can't wait, can't wait to, to hear um, about all the ways that God is going to, to be moving in the hearts and the, the minds and the lives of, of our kids and our adults as well. You know, every week uh, during the year, there's always something, it seems like something big is going on. And sometimes in life, you got some weeks that are bigger than others. And when I was growing up, uh, I, I went to a high school called Permian High School in Odessa, Texas. And it's where uh, the, the book Friday Night Lights, the movie Friday Night Lights came from. And it's about my high school, not when I was there, it was uh, way before my time. But, but uh, man, when I, was in, when I was growing up, we always had this big rivalry, rivalry week. And it was always when we were playing the other other school in town, which was Odessa High School. And so every time that, that week came up, man, it was a big week. And we just wanted to demolish them in football. And we were, were excited about about what was going to happen. And, you know, when I, when, when I was younger, in, like in the 80s and uh, Permian was just incredible, and that's when the the, the book was written about their their triumphs, uh, the state tournament, and, and I remember my parents uh, took us to the to the game, and I was little, and when, when Permian scored a touchdown, like, what do you do when, when your team scores a touchdown? You jump up and do this, right? And uh, well, my dad was holding me, and so when he did that, he just chunked me, and I went like three rows down at the stadium in Dallas, and just landed in all the seats, and you know, it was, I don't know Counseling, I'm okay after a long bout of counseling, and my, my dad's probably watching right now. Sorry, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Um, but uh, that's what you know. I, what I remember about that game. But when well, I moved to Texas A and M, I uh, went to college at A and M, and when I was at A and M, the the rivalry was the University of Texas. We 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 hate them so much that in our school song we talk about how bad they are. Okay, that's 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 what it's like. But here in Oklahoma, it's always OU. And Oklahoma State, right? And I can see some of you in this room, some of you got your OU stuff on every week. And sometimes we got people got our OSU stuff on. And so I just don't like to pick sides. I'm just going to root for everybody around here. I'm just going to play it safe uh, in in this congregation. But we we always uh, uh, gravitate towards a rivalry. Well, this week, we're going to be talking about a disciple who was caught up in the middle of rivalry. And he met Jesus in the middle of his situation. And so we're gonna be in John chapter one today. So if you want to turn there, you can. But last week we talked about the fifth disciple named Philip. And so we had the first four disciples. They're in this one group together. They're the main ones, the ones we know the most about. These guys right here, the, the, the prominent ones. And now we're in week number or week, week two, we're group number two. And we're in the sixth disciple. So we've done the first four. Last week we talked about Philip. And this week we're going to move on to another disciple. But while Philip was searching for the Messiah, the Messiah Jesus found him. And then Philip went and found one of his friends. And he's the sixth disciple that we're going to talk about today. And his name is Nathaniel. Nathaniel. A lot of you guys might might know him by his other name, which is Bartholomew. Well, in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the book of Acts, we hear his name called Bartholomew. But you got to understand, this is really a surname or a a last name uh, of this man. And so his name, his last name is kind of made up of two different words. One is, is Bar, which means son of, and the other part is uh, Tolmai, which is just a guy's name. And so Bartholomew or, or bar really means son of Tolmai. So this guy, this disciple, the sixth disciple, his real name is Nathaniel Bartholomew, which means Nathaniel, son of Tolmai. So in John chapter one, we continue this story that we talked about last week, where Philip met Jesus. And here's what it says, starting in verse 43. It says the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, he found Philip and said to him, "Follow me." Now Philip was, was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, "We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, "Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph." And Nathaniel said to him, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" And Philip said to him, "Come and see." Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answered him. He said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? I'm telling you, you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I don't know what your interactions are like with Jesus. And if you're a believer in Christ this morning, I don't know what your first interaction with Jesus was like. But we get the privilege of knowing and seeing what Nathaniel's first interactions are are like with Jesus. I think it's important for us to, to sit on this this morning because within Nathaniel's life and in his interaction with Jesus, I think there's some great truths for us, and we can we can really kind of uh, know ourselves better when we look at Nathaniel. So let's look at what happens. So Philip is found by Jesus, and he's changed, and he was so profoundly changed that he wanted to tell somebody else. You know, if Philip had a, a phone back then, I think, you know, he probably would have taken his phone out and, and uh, taken some selfies with Jesus. But boom, get, over, get, in, here with the, get in here with me, Jesus. I got I to share this with the world. I want everybody to know what just happened. We're, we're kind of the same way. When, when something amazing happens in our lives, I don't care if you're young or old, we want other people to know about it. And so we use social media today to do that. So probably, you know, Philip probably would have used social media back in the day because he wanted people to see and to know what just happened. So his, his form of social media was to go and find someone. And he went and found probably his best friend or a good friend of his, which was Nathaniel. It's really interesting to look at these disciples because the first six disciples are grouped together. You've got a set of brothers, another set of brothers, and then a set of friends And Jesus calls all six of them to come and to follow him. John chapter 1, verse 45, we read where it says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And what Philip is really saying, he's saying, hey, buddy, Okay, I know we've been waiting for a long time and we've been searching and studying and preparing for the Messiah. Well, guess what? We have found him. And you know what? He he comes from that that podunk town, Nazareth. You know, that that place that no one wants to go to. Can you believe it? From Nazareth. And it says in verse 46 that Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I think here we see this prejudice that Nathaniel had, this, this first century rivalry that Nathanael had with the town that he's from, with the, also with the town that, that Jesus is from. Because we find in John chapter 21 that the Bible says that Nathaniel is from Cana in Galilee. And we know that Jesus is from Nazareth, which is also in Galilee. So let, let's do some geography here. So if you turn to the back of your Bible, you probably have some maps and stuff like that, where you can see uh, the ministry of Jesus in, in that area um, during the first century. Well. Think of it this way. So you have the Sea of Galilee, which is on the east. So from your point of view, it's on the east. And you've got the Jordan River, which is flowing from the north down into the Sea of Galilee. And then the Jordan River flo- flows from the south um, out of the Sea of Galilee. And if you go um, to the west um, just a little bit, you travel um, several miles, probably a day's walk. You'll get, you go up to in these mountains and these high plains, and then you get to the, the little town of Cana. And that's where Nathanael was from. Well, if you travel south from Cana, you go over another mountain pass, you get up into the high mountains, uh, these high hills, and you go to another town, a little town called Nazareth. So that's where they were. That's where, that's where Jesus was from. That's where Nathanael was from. Now, that was last week, my, my family and I, we went to a Southern Baptist Convention. It was in Nashville. And on Thursday, we decided we're going to travel all the way back. Instead of splitting up into two days, we're just going to drive the whole way back. It's like nine hours. And I, I opened up my phone, the, uh, the map on my phone, and I put in, you know, go home. And uh, it, it gave me this weird route, which was not like on the interstate. It was just, you know, a different way. And I'm thinking, let's just try it. I mean, I've never gone that way before. Never seen that part of the country. So let's do it. So we got on the, on the road, and we started traveling. We went through... It's so the, the western Kentucky and eastern uh, Missouri, and the, the southern part. We went through some of these little towns like Wycliffe, Cairo, and Birds Point. Y'all ever been there? I didn't think so. Why have you, why have you never heard of those places? Because they're off the beaten path. They're not on the highway. There's nothing significant about these little towns. In fact, no one of real significance has ever come out of These towns that we know of, and that's kind of like it was for for these disciples. That's what it was kind of like in this first century. You had Cana and you have Nazareth, and they're just they're not really that important. And so there's this rivalry that these these two towns evidently had. They probably played football against each other on Friday nights, you know, and and uh, you know no no uh, Cana boy ever would marry a, a, a girl from Nazareth. I mean, it just didn't happen. That's not what you would do. And so Nathan, or Nathaniel had skepticism. It, w- it was understandable that he had this skepticism because he's thinking, Nazareth, there's nothing good that's gonna come out of Nazareth. And there's no way that the Messiah is gonna come out of this little no-name town. And so he says, can anything good come out of there? And Philip's answer is, yep, <laughs> pretty much, yep. He says, come and let's check it out. I will show you. And in this interaction that we have with Nathaniel, we get this first principle for today. So if you're taking notes, it is this, that my questions and and doubts don't scare God. My questions and my doubts that I have, they don't scare God because we have questions and we have doubts, not about general things about life, but about God. A lot of times we have these questions, we have these doubts. We have questions like, God, are you real? Can you come through for me because I really need your help right now? God, why do you seem so distant? Why do I feel so far away from you? God, why did you let this thing happen to me? Why did you let it happen to my my kids? Why did you let this happen to my family? God, where are you? We have these kind of questions and they're questions that we don't want anybody else to know about questions we have deep down inside of our spirit and we just, we wrestle with those things. We have those questions, but we also have, we have doubts. We have doubts like, I don't think you care, God. I really don't think you care. I don't see how you're gonna get, this, get, get me through this tragedy or, or turn this tragedy around and make it into something good. I don't know why you're allowing this to happen in my life. God, I don't even, I don't even think you're listening to me. We have these doubts, we have these questions, but guess what? These questions, these doubts that we have, they don't scare God. They don't scare him at all. They don't scare him because in the middle of these doubts and questions, what it it really means is that you're wanting to know him more. And so you have questions, you have doubts, you're trying to figure this thing out. And honestly, having questions and doubts is completely normal. It's something that, you know, it naturally we're going to have. It's so natural that there are some prominent people in God's word that had the same kind of questions and the same kind of doubts. Get this. One of them is Moses. In Exodus chapter three and chapter four, here's the questions he had. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? What if, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, you know, the, the Lord never sent you. Lord, I'm not good with my words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me, because I get, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. We probably think that, that Moses had a stutter. And so he had these questions and he had these doubts about could God follow through with the, the plan that God had for his life? What about David? David had some serious questions that he wrestled in, in the book of Psalm, especially in chapter 44. Here's what he said. He said, awake, Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? Why, God? He had some serious questions and concerns about the Lord. Habakkuk wrestled with these thoughts. and Habakkuk 1, he said, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. But you do not come to save Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? He had some serious questions about the Lord and for the Lord. You know what? Jesus himself had had a a big question about the Father. Matthew 27, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? You know, God is okay with our questions because no question is too big for God. He can handle everything any of these questions. But I think it's something important for us to realize when we have questions and we have doubts is look at a couple of places in scripture. So they're not, up on, they're, I don't think they're up on the screen, but let me just point them out to you. Romans chapter nine, Paul is, he's given this long theological um, discussion or this, um, this long essay uh, about deep theo- theological things. And he, he starts to say, you know what? You know what, what it's like when you feel like life isn't fair? You know, when you feel like your life isn't fair or it's not fair for someone else, or you think that, what you're really saying is you don't think God is fair. So you're questioning God. You know, when you have that in your life and you're wondering, you're wrestling with that, but well, here's what he says in Romans nine twenty. He says, who are you, O oh man? Or pretty much saying, who do you think you are, okay? Who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Well what, well, what is molded, say to its molder, why have you made me like this? He's saying, you are clay, and God is the potter. He's saying, why is the clay asking the potter, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're talking about? Are your plans real? Do you get it all taken care of, or do I need to step in and try to fix all these things? He's saying, who do you think you are? It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 55, where God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is saying, hey, I'm God, you're not. Take a chill pill, I got this. It's okay to question, it's okay to doubt, but just remember that I'm God and I will take care of this. I've got you. That is his promise to you. And so we're gonna have these questions. We're gonna have doubts, just like Nathaniel did. The story doesn't end there. The interaction he had with Jesus doesn't end there. So let's, let's keep going on and, and look at what happens. So John chapter 1, we're going down to verse 47, the next verse in the story. Here's what it says. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, he said, How, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And in these verses, we find our second principle for today that when God looks at me, his focus is on my heart. When God looks at me, his focus is not on all these other things, it's on my heart. That's where his focus is. So our our church has a softball team, okay? We're not very good, all right? Um, But we have a softball team, and last year, Sorry, sorry, Josh, just uh, in the obvious. Okay, so, um, so last year uh, I got recruited, okay? I was a high, high recruit, okay, for the softball team. And this is a true story. Some of y'all know it because uh, you saw me up on stage hobbling around for about six weeks. But last summer we were playing softball and I got put in center, center field. First game, they put me out there, center field, and the, this big this big guy gets up to bat on this other team, and he just cranks one, right? He just he just hits it, and it was in between center field and right field, and it was just far enough away where I was gonna have to sprint towards it, but it was close enough to where I in, in my in my. Uh, in my mind, I'm like, I can get this, I can do this. And so I, I just start running, I'm just, I'm taking off, taking off and I'm almost to the ball and all of a sudden my leg just seizes up and I just, I, I just pull my hamstrings so bad guys. I mean, just like, ugh, and I was just hobbling around and I tried to play it off like it was not that big of a deal. I was like, sub, sub, you know, uh, and I'll and go, to, go to the bench, but I was dying, I was, I was hurting so bad. And guess, guess what, this was not just the first inning, this was the very first pitch of the season, okay? <laughs> The very first pitch. I lasted for one pitch, okay? And I was out for the, the rest of the season. And we got some, some good players on our team. We got some guys that are they're just giants. And so when they get up to bat, man, they get to bat, I mean, everybody's backing up, you know? These outfielders getting back and they're getting ready. When I get up to the plate... Man, you just you can just kind of see them start inching forward, you know? They're like, "All right, easy out, easy out, guys." All right. So they they're getting all getting getting close. I mean, I'm just I'm just not very good at softball, but I think we have some games tonight. And so, I don't know where they're going to hide me tonight, okay? But they're going to they're gonna maybe probably on the bench. Okay, that's where they're going to hide me. Um, but but thank goodness God doesn't look at all of that stuff about us. We're all different. We all have our highs, we all have our lows, we all have our talents, and we all have our deficiencies. And Nathaniel had those as well. but guess what? That's not what Jesus focused on. Jesus focused on Nathaniel's heart. That's what he was focused on. Nathaniel was amazed. He said, "Man, how do you know that about me? How do you know that?" And Jesus said, "Before you and Philip were talking, I saw you over there underneath that fig tree. And he says, I saw you. Nathaniel's amazed. I think he was amazed because, probably because there was something going on under that fig tree. He was, he was wrestling with the Lord, deep in thought, deep in prayer. And he knew what was going on. And He knew that he was the only one that knew it. Him and God. Only ones that knew what was going on. And Jesus pretty much said, I know it. I know what's going on. I know what's going on in your heart. That's kind of scary to think about. Think about that, that that God knows what's going on in our hearts. And Jesus is saying to us, he's saying, I see you. I see you. And Nathaniel says, how in the world does this man know me? I thought he's from Nazareth. There's no way that he knows what he knows. Psalm 139 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the, the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. For us, we might ask this question, how does this man know us? What Jesus is saying here is saying, because I'm God. The reason I know you is because I'm God. And I can see in your heart. Jesus can see in our heart. And that kind of scares me this morning. It scares me to think that that He can He can see all my faults. That He can see all of our sin. He can see our pride. He can see our lust. He can see our selfishness and our, our shame and our immaturity. He can see all of our envy. So see all those things that we don't want anybody to know about. In fact, for the majority of us, we're the only ones that know about it. And God is saying, I see you. I see inside of your heart. Now, the real issue this morning is not necessarily what's inside our heart, but how does Jesus respond to what's inside our heart, okay? That's really what I want to know about. I want to know how does Jesus respond with all of this junk that's going on. Well, look what happens. He could have said, well, uh, well Nathaniel, I know you. You're that, you're that guy that, that thought nothing good could come out of Nazareth. How dare you? Who do you think you are? You don't wanna know what comes out of Nazareth? I do, the son of man, God himself. Now, don't you feel just a little bit silly? He could have said that. He could have called it on the carpet. That could have been his response. But that is not Jesus' response to Nathaniel. Instead, he says, I see you. I see you, and I'm still calling you. He saw just another part of Nathaniel's heart not all the bad stuff not all the junk he saw something else and i think that's something really important for us this morning for those of us who are struggling with what's going on inside of us in our wrestling with the lord our wrestling with our sin we need to understand something it's found in 1st corinthians chapter 6 starting verse 9 here's what it says and this is not a good passage at the beginning here's what it says do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. Right? We can probably find ourselves in that list somewhere. The Bible says you don't get to inherit the kingdom of God. You don't get to be a part. Those kind of people don't get to be a part of what God's doing. You You don't get into heaven With that being the stamp of who you are. But there's a big but. In verse 11, he says this. And such were some of you. Were. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What he's saying is that with all of our faults, with all of our sins, with all of our doubts, with all of our questions, you know what God looks at? He doesn't look at all that stuff. That is in your past. He's saying, if you're a believer in Christ, you know what God looks at? He looks at your washed heart. That's what he's looking at. It's been washed by the blood of Jesus. And he's saying, you can still be a disciple. Why? Because something great did come out of Nazareth, the son of God. Jesus himself, he came out of Nazareth and he met Nathanael and he said, come and follow me. And we should respond to this in some way. And our response needs to be just like Nathanael's. Let's look at what happened. Verse 49, here's how this kind of finishes up. Here's his response. Nathanael answered him and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him and said, Because I I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Man, you're, you're gonna see greater things than these. And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. You see what Nathaniel's response was? Instead of just feeling utter shame, Nathaniel worshiped God. He worshiped Jesus. Instead of condemning him, You know what Jesus' response was? He gave him hope. He gave Nathaniel hope. And to to finish up today, I think there is a a great message for all of us. Through this story of Nathaniel, there's three things. So if you're taking notes, you can write these down. They're real quick. God's message to you through Nathaniel is, number one, that when you fall, pivot back. When you fall, pivot back. That's what verse 49 says. He fell. He, he had a wrong resp- initial response to, to, uh, to Jesus, to meeting Jesus. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was his fall. That's where he, he fell short. And in our lives, we do that all the time. We fall short of what God has for us. We sin. We know what's inside of our hearts, and it's ugly, and we don't like it, and we fall. But when we encounter Jesus, our response should be to turn back, to pivot. And we see this in verse 49. He worshiped Jesus. He said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You know what we need to remember Nathaniel, uh, uh, Nathaniel for more than anything? Not his, his saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know what we need to remember him for is verse 49. Because he was probably the very first one to say, you're the son of God. Very first disciple. You're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That was his, his big pivot. So when we mess up, when we fall, we need to pivot and turn back to God. That's what we see in Nathaniel. We also see this, that when you doubt, remember his promises. Verse 50, here's Jesus' promise. He said, you know what? You're gonna see greater things than that. That was nothing. Me saying that I, that I know you, that I see you under the fig tree, <laughs> that, that's child's play. I've got bigger and better things for your life. And when we doubt and we say, God, where are you? How can you, how can you do this? Uh, I, I don't understand. I don't know why this is happening in my life. You know, I thought you were going to, to fix this. I thought you were going to take care of me. Man, I'm just having a lot of doubt. And I'm to the point where I'm about to take over. I'm going to try to do this on my own. I'm going to try to take care of my family on my own. I'm going to try to walk this life of faith on my own because, man, I'm just I just feel like you're not, you're not coming through like you said you're going to come through. When we have doubts, the Bible's saying that we need to remember God's promises. And Jesus is saying, you haven't seen anything yet. In your life, I've got a lot more to show you. Trust me. Trust me. And finally, God's message to us through Nathaniel is that when you are discouraged, listen to Jesus' words. Verse 51 he ends and says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Like, what in the world is that? Well, that's, he's, he's quoting an Old Testament scripture that's just describing God. And he's saying, you know, what, you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I am God, okay? He's saying, I can handle this. And so when you are discouraged, when you have questions, when you're questioning your faith, when you're questioning, is God gonna show up in your life? God is saying, Jesus is saying, I got this. I can handle this. When we look at Nathaniel, maybe a good way to remember him is calling him Nathaniel the known. It's a good way to remember Nathaniel. He was, he was a disciple that from right off the bat, God knew him. Not just, not just about him or the great things he had done, but he knew his heart. He saw something different about him. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, then you need to, to remember what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 said, that you're washed, that when Jesus looks at you, He sees a washed heart. But you know what? There's probably some people in this room, maybe some people watching online, that I can say this: that, that God knows you. He knows you, but you don't know Him. There has to be a relationship. Within that relationship, that is where salvation happens. God knows you, he created you, he knows you intimately. But the question is, do you know him? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? I'm telling you, it's the biggest and best decision you can ever make. As we walk through and look at all these disciples, every every one of these guys, they put their hope and their faith and they put their trust in Jesus and it changed their lives forever. Not only that, but they went and they changed the world. And God used them in a special way I'm telling you what God can use you to. You may feel like you're far from him, but he's really close. He knows you. Today, maybe it's the day that you need to trust in Jesus, that he died on the cross to save you from your sins, and you don't have to to try anymore to earn your way in a relationship with him. You don't have to try anymore to earn your way into heaven, into eternal life, because Jesus is saying, I know you. I'm just inviting you to know me as well, to put your faith and trust in me, and I'll save you. That's what Nathaniel did, he trusted in Jesus. He had his doubts, he had his questions, but he put his faith and trust in Jesus and we need to do the same. Let's do that together, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for this disciple, Nathaniel. That even though he was was far from you, you knew him, you saw him. even though he had his doubts and his questions, God, you showed that you're bigger than all of that. In our lives, we, we doubt and we question. It's just natural, really. Maybe it has to do with pride, selfishness, sin. Maybe it's just genuine. Like, we don't, we don't know, God. And God, we, we need to trust you more. We need to put our faith in you more with our finances, with our families, with our futures. Help us, God, to in the middle of our doubts and our questions to say, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. I can trust you. I can put my faith in you. God, I pray if there's anybody in this room that that doesn't know you in that way, God, that, that today might be the day of salvation, that they would say yes to Jesus. God, we thank you that even though our hearts are sinful, you see a washed heart. Not because of anything we've done, but all because of what Jesus has done on the cross. The shedding of his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. So God, may that move us today. May we leave this place like Nathaniel. Even though we may have questions and doubts, God, we're putting our trust and our faith completely and wholly on you. God, we pray that you would do amazing things in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.